Of all the movies and shows that have made me like super nervous, genuinely, even on rewatches, this is one of them. This is top five for me. Yeah, and that's testament to Tom Holland's acting skills over there. Yeah, he looks like he's going to throw up the whole time. Throw up and start crying. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about worst date ever. Yeah. That still goes to Ralph Mona, but... Welcome to the Marvelous Madams Podcast. We're your hosts, Madam Chris. And I'm Madam Amy. We are burdened with the glorious purpose of talking all things Marvel. Madams, assemble. Welcome back to part two of Spider-Man Homecoming. If you have not listened to part one, stop this right now. Go back and listen to part one. Yes. And then we are headed to Washington. Yeah, man, this school and their trips in this franchise. I love it. It's ridiculous, but I love it. Mm -hmm. It certainly keeps things interesting. It does. And, you know, speaking of the kids, I really like the representation amongst the kids in this movie. Okay. It's a diverse group. Hmm. Yeah, true. So we're back with our uh, titular little dummy here who is removing <laughs> his tracker from his suit. I was just wondering how the hell he was able to pick the one from all the various wires in there. Yes, and he is not pleased with his <laughs> training wheels protocol. <laughs> Yeah. It's so typical for kids, right? It is. They don't want to be kids. And then they do stupid stuff. And what I love, too, is the continuity we have with Tony's personality and his presence in the movie without him even being there. Mm -hmm. And this is one of those times where Tony was absolutely right to do this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Peter was not ready to take his first steps on his own. No, and he was absolutely right to not tell him because that's exactly what Peter would have done, what he did. Right. And I really give Ned credit here for trying to be responsible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for, for the most part, Ned tends to be a bit more responsible in the movie. Yeah, but I can't blame the kid. If somebody dangled the man in the chair to me, I wouldn't be able to resist either. The only problem with that is that if it depends on your tech skills, the superhero's dead. Something comparable. <laughs> Regardless of how right you are. <laughs> and like you said, again, here we have Peter caught between wanting to be a kid, just playing in the pool with his friends and being a, uh, we'll say, pseudo Avenger. Yeah, the conflict and Tom Holland has done a good job portraying that, you know, without really actually saying much. Yes, he does. So, yeah, it's done. It's done in a very subtle way, but it still gets the point across. Yeah. And they also use his suit effectively here because the suit is a metaphor for his whole life. He's not ready for the suit and he's not ready for the kind of adventure and action he's looking for. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And we need to point out here, 
the actress who is voicing Peter Suit is Jennifer Connelly, wife of Paul Bettany. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's good to keep all the AIs within the, within the family, you know? Yeah, yeah, I love that. It's such a great mm. detail, and Marvel is so good with that kind of thing. And it helps that she does have the right voice for this kind of thing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I also like how we see with uh, the bad guys here, we get little mentions of previous disasters. Like right here, they mention Lagos. Previous disasters throughout this movie. It's a good way of keeping us in that Avengers universe, holding the continuity of the Infinity Saga, especially for this movie. Because this is, you know, third try at Spider-Man, because it's still a Sony property, it's important. Yeah, and also it's so removed from all the other stuff that was happening in mm-hmm. the Infinity Saga that it was necessary to mention this stuff to keep that connection with the world. Otherwise, you'd easily forget that this is part of the Infinity Saga or part of the MCU. Right. Yeah, this is their way of saying this is not a reboot. This is a fresh start, but it's grounded in a pre-existing foundation. Yeah. Now, you know what Peter didn't have as part of that training wheels protocol? The ability to instant kill. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little serious. (laughs) Yeah. And I love how the eyes go red. (laughs) (laughs) So even the aesthetics have to match, you know? That's true. Well, Tony would think of that. Of course. So Toombs is basically trying to get into the truck unnoticed and steal some more of the equipment as he's been doing for the last x years since we're not mentioning eight from the department of damage control and this time peter gets in his way yeah we have a little skirmish here with vulture but a combination of underestimating this old man and not understanding his suit in any way uh leads to uh mr parker's demise Yeah, it's like any software, you know, it takes a while for you to get used to it before you're being able to do what you need to do with it, you know. So Peter should have taken the time to actually learn how to use the suit or the software before he got into something more serious. And that's that teenage impulsiveness. He's so desperate to prove himself to everyone, to himself, that he just can't control his impulses at this point that and i think it's that ingrained gene we all techies have of we will not read the manual we will figure it out (laughs) this is where i would have helped as the man in the chair i would have insisted upon reading the manual wouldn't have understood it but i would have looked at it (laughs) i had to read the manual to change the battery in my Key fob. Yes. Took me about 15 minutes. Sometimes I'm ashamed to call you my friend. (laughs) I got the job done. So I think translated, it would only then take me, I don't know, 150 years to uh, acclimate to Peter's suit. That would be putting it optimistically. And considering that this manual would be the size of all the books in the world, I think. It would take a while to read. Yeah. Well, he's going to have a lot of time to figure it out because Mr. Parker gets himself 
trapped inside the vault that is this Department of Damage Control warehouse. Yeah, so here things go a bit timey-wimey. Yeah. They have this entire montage where Karen is, I don't like calling her Karen, but anyways, teaching Peter how to use the suit and all the various functions and stuff like that. And you'd think it'd be longer and it was only 30-odd minutes. Right. It's a cute little montage. Fun. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. And then the montage that we have of him trying to get out was much shorter, even though it covered a longer span of time. Okay. I mean, didn't really phase me. Hmm. I just enjoyed the montage. No, I think that the montage was funny and uh, I actually like it. But later on in the movie, there's one bit that that kind of threw me off. And I think that then I noticed that this trend is there in the movie. Okay. So while Peter is learning about his suit, he discovers that the piece of Chitari tech, the one that is about to be in Ned's pocket, is explosive. Mm hmm. A little bit of a problem. Yeah. So that lights a fire under his ass to get out. Yeah. So we've got to head back over to the academic decathlon. We see the kids heading in. So the kids win, thankfully, without Peter. Which Flash is happy to remind him about. Yeah. <laughs> and here's another good plan here. Mr. Harrington, who I absolutely adore in both movies. We hear him call MJ Michelle. Mm-hmm. Just throw us off a little bit. Yeah. And good on this movie for pointing out that the Washington Monument was built by slaves. I actually didn't know that. So was the White House. Huh. So were plenty of other things. So I think this was a nice way of, you know, showing the ignorance that exists in the educational system uh, in the U.S., even or especially amongst a lot of history teachers. Mm-hmm. True. So Peter is scrambling to get back here. And all the kids are heading up in the elevator, minus MJ, who's still outside when this bomb in Ned's bag detonates. Yeah, and it's important to note the reason it detonated at that time was because it went through the x-ray machine. Yeah, I think this whole sequence is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it's very well done and it looks very dangerous and Uh you can really feel like the kids are in some serious danger. Oh yeah, these heights freak me right the fuck out. (laughs) Yeah, this is like people's worst nightmares. Yeah. Yeah, especially Peter, too. He's got no parachute. Mm -hmm. He's got nothing. I mean, he's got his webs, yeah, but they're finite. Yeah. Thankfully, the training wheels are off at this point. Yes. So Karen is able to send out a drone to help Peter figure out the best way to approach this whole situation. Yeah. And while he's climbing up, the police are not very happy. Yeah, I can kind of understand why. Mm-hmm. I can get that, especially when, well, they don't know, but we know this is entirely Peter's fault. Yeah. So I love here, too, his super strength is on full display as he's trying to get through that window. Yeah, but still, it's not quite enough. So he uses the helicopter as leverage to gain more momentum to break in. Yeah, and it is cool. It definitely is. I just also can't deal with uh, elevator freefall. Nope. <laughs> you know, I didn't know that those windows were that big. Not that I've ever seen it in real life, but mm-hmm. still. Yeah. 
Yeah, they look a lot smaller from down below. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, but that's on my list of like worst ways to die is being in the elevator when it falls because I don't need to vomit also right before I die, you know? Well, you'd be vomiting up, you know, inertia and all that. Yeah, it just makes it so much worse. <laughs> if nothing else, it'll be quick, you know, the terror and then nothing. So Peter is able to save them before they uh, plummet to their deaths. Yeah, with quite a few close calls in between. Yeah, and of course, Flash not helping the situation. <laughs> I do love it, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's a lovable jerk. And once MJ rushes in there, oh, love the way they mock the original upside down kiss from the first Spider-Man. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's true. Just flashed in my mind to Tropic Thunder, winner of MTV's Best Kiss. <laughs> <laughs> I remember how much that, how big a deal that kiss was at that time. Yeah, I never understood it because I just never understood what the hell MJ saw in him. Well, th to be fair, the mask was covering half the face. So. Still. <laughs> just the aura. The vibe radiated by Toby Wire. No, thank you. Mm -hmm. For me, that's a moment similar to uh, Liv Tyler and Edward Norton in The Hulk, where the only moisture on her Ugh. is from the rain. Oh, <laughs> I've just eaten, please. Ugh. <laughs> that wasn't that bad. No. So, back in his lair, Tombs is pretty pissed because since they couldn't get what they needed from the truck, he can't finish. The next weapon. Yeah. And he is rationalizing this whole thing as providing for family and doing what I need to do. And that is exactly what makes Vulture such a great villain. Yeah. Because the best villains see themselves as the hero. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And he's not going to let some little bastard in red tights stop him. And I think there is a real uh, generation gap theme here, too. You know, he's the oldest. In what sense? So Vulture is the oldest villain that we've had in the MCU. And part of it is also like, you know, he even says it. He's not going to let this little bastard, some kid, stop him. He's older. He's wiser in his mind. He's earned this. And he's also been getting it away with it under the nose of the government for years. You know, he has this sense of entitlement that I don't think Peter has at all. Yeah, absolutely. And to a certain extent, it's kind of deserved because he has gotten away with it. He has been smart. He's not, you know, full of hot air. Uh-huh. I think that's compliment number 16. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying it's realistic. He's not an unbelievably, he's not a bad villain. In the sense that he's not unbelievable. Oh, I agree with you. He's a fantastic villain. Yeah. So that's what I meant. Mm -hmm. Sure it is. And then we get a great moment here. On first watch, it means nothing. But on subsequent watches, it's different. So Toombs sees this story on the news and Michael Keaton plays this perfectly. The story is about what just happened in Washington. Mm -hmm. He gives nothing away. So that the twist will be intact, but it's still believable. Because for me, 
his kind of blankish, curious reaction, it tells me he remembers something vaguely about his daughter being part of this, but he hasn't been paying his family enough attention with all his uh, supervillaining. Yeah, that's a good point. And also on first watch, it could just be passed off as, oh, he's seeing Spider-Man on TV, that, you know, stupid kid right. you know, trying to be a hero. Yeah. Either way, it totally works. Yeah. And I also give Michael Keaton so much credit for the restraint he shows throughout this movie. Because we've seen the rest of his career. He can be a fucking lunatic mm -hmm. when he wants to be. Right. So it's a testament to his talent, to his experience, that he's also able to do the subtle so effectively. I really like him. I do Especially too. in this movie. I mean, there, there is a little part of me that wants to see some of B-roll out there from this movie, maybe. Just once seeing him go into it, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. You know, that would, <laughs> that would be amazing. Mm -hmm. So now that this disaster has been averted, it's time to get back to school where uh, somebody's getting a little too big for his britches. <laughs> or his tights. Good thing they're stretchable, right? And... To be fair, I mean, he was kind of the hero. He did save the day. He caused the day. He's forgotten that part. Unknowingly. And he did try to warn Ned, but, you know, sometimes technology doesn't work in your favor. Yeah, but he's riding too high on ego and popularity. And this is another failure for Tony. Tony should have gone to see him immediately after Washington. Yeah, absolutely. And that is absolutely Tony's fault because he is, on one hand, trying to mentor this kid without actually mentoring him. Yeah. He thinks the tech will do the job. Yeah. He's not taking his responsibility seriously enough. And the other thing we also know about Tony is that he always spreads himself too thin. Yeah, true. And we do find out later on in the movie that he was keeping tabs on him. It just wasn't a two-way communication. It was just one way. Yeah, and that's a problem. It is. So, Amy, you got detention. Yeah. <laughs> These videos are amazing. <laughs> to be a fly on the wall when Chris Evans was filming these. Oh. That, I was actually thinking more about Cap, like how useless he must have felt when he did that. Yeah, I mean, this is punching Hitler all over again. Yeah, exactly. It's like 60 years later... I'm still doing the same crap. Can I go back to sleep now? Yeah, and even he has to know, having missed so much, the kids aren't going to give a shit about this. They're in detention. Yeah. <laughs> Except NJ. MJ doesn't even have detention. She just likes sketching human misery. <laughs> <laughs> she cracks me up. Yeah, and the misery that she's catching is the teacher. Yeah, Hannibal Burris, again, great. Yeah. Yeah. Poor guy. And even when he's in trouble, he's still, you know, not doing the right thing. He's still leaving detention midway through. Of course. And I will say one of the things that is accurate about this school is the way the teachers just don't give a shit. <laughs> That's an American high school if I've ever seen one. Okay. I mean, Mr. Harrington does try. Well, yeah, true. But he doesn't have the best judgment. That's the problem. And we see more of that when he's brought back and far from home, which is great. 
<laughs> so, Poor guy. I kind of feel bad for him, honestly. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're meant to. We're meant to. I pity anyone who teaches high school. Mm-hmm. So we had our training wheels protocol, but we're not quite done yet because now we've got to get to uh, baby monitor protocol. <laughs> Which, hey, turned out pretty helpful. It certainly did. And it was apt, you know, considering the clips that we were seeing. Yeah, so Peter used the monitor here and face recognition to track down Toombs's crow. Yes. And this is my favorite. Enhanced interrogation protocol. <laughs> yeah. And Donald Glover was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, he's perfect. You got to get better at this part of the job. <laughs> <laughs> And it's like he's humoring him. He's not intimidated. No, who would he be? He doesn't give a shit. Yeah. But he's still trying to help a budding superhero. Yes. So this reminded me a lot of episode three of Loki on Lamentus when they're trying to hoodwink uh, that woman and Loki shapeshifts into her husband. You idiot. She's heard you. You just talked to her. <laughs> she knows what you sound like. It's the same thing here. He's met this guy already. Yeah. Well, he kind of forgot about that. Yeah, he, Peter kind of forgot about a lot of things. Yeah, true. And I don't think Peter realized that it's going to change his voice as well. You know, <laughs> kind of like the instant kill scenario. <laughs> yeah, so after this intense interrogation, Donald Glover tell him, tells him, <laughs> Donald Glover tells him that Toombs is going to be making a deal at the ferry. Yeah, this interrogation was like pulling teeth. Not for uh, the criminal, but yeah. more like for Peter. Yeah. And then he just leaves him there, stuck to his trunk. Yeah, you're a criminal. You deserve it. Yeah, I mean, fair. Fair, but he kind of did you a solid, man. Yeah, but I don't think he's going to stop being a criminal either. True. So we head over now to the Staten Island Ferry. Oh, the smells this brings back into my nose. <laughs> and we get another great plant here. Peter sees Toombs's face for the first time while he's doing recon. Yeah. Does facial recognition on the rest of the crew. But Karen, cool it with the instant kill, would ya? <laughs> hey, the training wheels are off. You gotta get some murder in quickly. Yeah, and Tony decides to check in here a little bit too late. Yeah, so I think he knew what was happening and he was trying to make Peter speak to him and, you know, kind of give him advice there or tell him to cool off. But again, with Tony's, you know, lack of emotional maturity and ability to actually have an open conversation, it didn't work. Yeah, and I give Peter credit here. The balls it takes to hang up on Tony Stark. <laughs> yeah, he was flying high. This is that final piece of the puzzle that fits in. Like, I am unstoppable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he makes a royal mess of things. This is super chaotic. It's a great sequence, though. The ferry ends up yeah. cut in half. It's very titanic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Peter's doing everything he can to try and hold it together but it doesn't work yeah the really cool spider manning though oh yeah absolutely but not only does he almost lose all the passengers on the ship he also interrupted a bust 
with the feds. Yes. Yeah. And that is a really great shot of Peter hanging between the two pieces of the ferry. Yeah, yeah. Completely iconic. And he's thinking he's saving the day. Looks like he has saved the day, but oh, oh, dad's here. Yeah. No, I mean, he is almost losing it. He was seconds away from the ship breaking apart again. Oh, yeah. But when things come back together, he thinks for a second, oh, I I did this. No, no, no. Dad's dad's here and he's pissed. Yeah. Yeah. So Iron Man to the rescue. Welds everything back together. Mm -hmm. And he makes it seem so easy. He does. And that only makes it even worse for Peter. It just only, yeah, true. it only reinforces the fact that he was not in any way ready to take this on. Yeah, but he needed that reality check. Yeah, he needed it, but uh, stakes were awfully high there. Oh yeah, absolutely. It shouldn't have been, but he needed it. So back in the lair, Toombs is getting pretty pissed about this kid. and His number one henchman is ready to take off, and then... We have this other guy who I love, Mason. Mm -hmm. And here's another moment where I was reminded of the Untouchables. So in the Untouchables, we have a very nerdy character who every once in a while throughout the movie, you know, goes to LNS and says, hey, hey, this guy doesn't pay his taxes. We could get this guy on tax evasion. And it's just kind of keeping that in the back of your mind the whole movie so you don't forget about it. it's done in a very heavy ham-handed way in that movie like everything is and i think it's done a lot better here in homecoming because this mason guy has this high altitude weapon that he keeps mentioning every now and then mm-hmm. yeah so it's finally tomb when he's getting desperate is when he tells mason okay go ahead and develop it yeah yeah and i love the way this guy adds some like quirkiness to this character too he's fun yeah, he is. So while that gets into production, it's time for Peter's comeuppance. Yeah. And Tony is pissed. Oh, when he when he walks out of that suit, oh. <laughs> <laughs> You've stepped into it now, kiddo. Oh, yeah, that's a big oh shit moment. <laughs> but this is another one. Tony, why didn't you just tell the kid that you called the FBI? Yeah, exactly. If he had then Peter would have stepped back. Yes. Which again, this, a, a lot of the stuff in this movie would have not happened or resolved itself had Tony simply communicated. Yeah. And, you know, some movies that wouldn't work well. Some movies you could just say, oh, they could have just written it differently. That wasn't necessary. But for this movie, it fits with Tony's character. Yeah, true. So again, that continuity just fits in flawlessly. Yeah, but also at the same time, we also need to keep in mind that this was post-Civil War and the Avengers are a mess right now Mm -hmm. and Tony's trying to sort all of that out. Cap and Falcon and all these people are missing and they're being hunted and all of that. So he does have a lot on his plate. Yeah, and he's not a great delegator. No, he isn't. So it is understandable for him to have dropped the ball over just a kid, you know? And this is quite the scolding. Tom Holland is so, so good in this scene. We absolutely hurt for him, even though he's a little dummy. 
maybe because he's a little <laughs> dummy. We hurt so much for him. Yeah, you do definitely feel bad for him. And he shows that emotional vulnerability so well. Yeah. You just want to, you know, cover him in a blanket and give him hot cocoa and say, oh, it's going to be all okay. Yeah. And two, because it's not entirely his fault. He was given this power, this suit. First of all, he didn't ask for the powers he has. And secondly, <laughs> he was given this suit and some responsibility by a grown man who should know better and should have been more mm -hmm. responsible about this whole situation. Peter had no business being in Germany. Yeah, absolutely. And we get some great writing here. Peter just broken. I just wanted to be like you. Yeah. And Tony responds with, I wanted you to be better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great writing. That says so much. It does. He has so much hope for this kid. Too much hope, maybe. Right. And he, I think a part of him didn't want to see him as a kid and more as a, as the hope for the future. Mm -hmm. So he didn't want to realize that, no, this is, he's, he's human. He's a kid. He's going to make mistakes. Yeah, because we've seen how many times now. Tony is a guy who has considered his own mortality a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, he's looking for a legacy. He's looking for an heir of sorts. Might. And he sees that in Peter. Yeah. yeah. And then he tells him, and this is absolutely true. If you're nothing without this suit, then you shouldn't have it. He's right. That's true. Yeah. And with that, he takes the suit back. Yeah. And that was needed for Peter to, one, come down from that high. And two, he needed to be a kid. He did. By key, if he had kept the suit, the temptation would have always been there. He wouldn't have been able to hold back. Yeah. Well, that's one scolding down. One to go. <laughs> because he didn't even think about calling his aunt. Yeah, exactly. That's the typical teenager thing of, I'm untouchable. I can do whatever I want. Yeah. And two, this is out of character for him. That's one of the reasons she's so scared, so furious, is because they are close. They do have a very good relationship. And this is the last straw for her because she knows he's been sneaking out, knows he's been up to no good, and she's been giving him space. And now this is what he does with it. Yeah, and not only that, she probably must have gotten a call from the school saying that he left early even though he was in detention. Yeah. And then she saw the news about the the ferry and all of that. So, and she has shown in the past when bad things happen, she gets anxious. Yeah, yeah. And hashtag my Aunt May because none of the other Aunt Mays would have said cut the bullshit to Peter. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And even though she's angry with him, she's still open to, to listening and figuring out what is the problem. Yeah. Well, because there's so much love under that anger, too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So to cover, he tells her he lost the internship. And it's just even worse for him now because now he's got the guilt of making her worry on top of all his screw ups. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And then another great line here, at least for me, take a shower. You smell like garbage. (laughs) (laughs) He's like Kramer after taking a swim in the East River. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for those of you who aren't aware, Staten Island is basically built on a landfill. (laughs) So now that Tony has effectively taken the pressure off by taking the suit, it's time to just be a 15-year-old again. Yeah, and you see him going through this montage of making up essentially and getting back to normal activities of a 15 year old and here I get a bit confused we have a long montage showing that he's going back and doing things and you know going back to detention for all the stuff that he did earlier on Mm -hmm. but it seemed like it happened for in about a week I honestly didn't give it too much thought didn't really phase me so I'm not sure Mm -hmm. on that Yeah, I mean, it seemed like it. I could be wrong, obviously, but I feel like it should have been a longer period for Peter to really get back to normal, you know, normal school life. Mm -hmm. And it is nice to see him getting back to normal, especially when he admits his crush to Liz. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Marvel is well known at this point for they're often unintentionally, you know, meta dialogue. My favorite line of the movie, you're terrible at keeping secrets. <laughs> if only she knew. Yeah, who's worse at keeping secrets, Peter Parker or Tom Holland? Tom. Yeah? Yeah, no contest. Tom. <laughs> People, if, you ha- if you've never seen footage of Tom Holland on the Infinity War press tour, after you finish this episode, go on YouTube and enjoy yourself for an hour because it is endlessly hilarious watching him try not to spoil anything. I'm telling you, when when he's doing the press tours for No Way Home, they are going to put a gag on him, a literal <laughs> gag. So generally, when companies give out movies or shows earlier on, they ask the press to sign a waiver called a gag order where they're not allowed to speak about these things before the date that the company agrees to with tom it's a literal gag (laughs) there's one in particular it was on uh good morning america where he's sitting in the middle flanked by his two babysitters who were with him the entire press door and they're relaxed and he's just ramrod straight on the stool and Michael Strahan asked him about, you know, spoiling things. And he's like, well, I'm very stressed right now because this is live. (laughs) (laughs) So you can only imagine the other stuff that he spoiled that they didn't cut. Yes, which is why you should go watch because there are moments when Benedict Cumberbatch actually goes, beep, (laughs) 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 or physically puts his hand over his mouth. Mm Mm-hmm. And I love the scene, too, because his response to that is, you'd be surprised. And man, this was such another Michael J. Fox moment, because this reminds me so much of, but your kids are going to love it. You know, Mm -hmm. he sounds so much like him, too. Yeah. So finally, Peter asks her to homecoming and she accepts. Yeah. Also important to note, Tom Holland didn't know what homecoming was till halfway through shooting this movie. Hey, I didn't know what Homecoming was. You weren't making a movie called Homecoming, were you? (laughs) (laughs) 
And so he's riding high on this for a minute, but then it has an oh shit moment and it's, May, I need your help. Yeah. <laughs> this is an adorable sequence. It is. And it shows you again how close they are and the fact that May does a great balancing act with him in terms of authority and understanding. Yeah, absolutely. And I love the montage of trying to learn how to tie the tie. <laughs> I like the learning to dance montage too, because, because it's not easy to pretend you don't know how to do something when you're actually very, very good at it. He can dance circles mm -hmm. around Mar Marissa Tomei. Yeah. So, and he does a great job of acting like he doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah, and he had very limited steps to do to pretend. It was a different kind of pretend for him yeah. to be bad at something. Yeah. But yeah, they figure it out. He has a nice suit and he's prepared for homecoming mm -hmm. with his corsage. Indeed. So here we go. We're in the car. We're heading up to the house. And oh! <laughs> my stomach dropped the first time i saw this okay i i didn't it's one of those moments where i didn't even realize i was holding my breath when michael keaton opens that door i couldn't believe it i never saw it coming anybody who says mm -hmm. they saw this coming is a fucking liar <laughs> Yeah, it was surprising. And the sequence that they have afterwards, the tension is perfectly played. Oh, my God. Of all the movies and shows that have made me like super nervous, genuinely, even on rewatches, this is one of them. This is top five for me. Yeah, and that's testament to Tom Holland's acting skills over there. Yeah, he looks like he's going to throw up the whole time. Throw up and start crying. Yeah. <laughs> talk about worst date ever yeah that still goes to ralph mona but still i agree yeah and keaton plays this perfectly he's just seen this oh it's meet meeting the dad nerves yeah works so well mm -hmm. it does man doom's holding that knife <laughs> <laughs> and him constantly asking questions and you know that's the right answer. Uh-huh. Yeah. And yeah. again, the meta-ness of this, what helps is that Tom Holland was super nervous about working with Michael Keaton. Who wouldn't be? Mm-hmm. True. And then we get in the car. And again, I'm yelling at the TV, shut up, Liz. Shut up. Stop. Stop talking, Liz. Well, you can't blame her. Come on. Oh, I know. I'm not Poor mad kid. at her. No, no, I'm not mm -hmm. mad at her by any means, but I'm nervous as hell because with each sentence she spews here, Toombs is figuring it out. Yeah. Yeah. And Peter's overall demeanor doesn't help. No, no, because this is definitely beyond meeting the dad nerves. Oh, yeah. This is a, I'm about to shit my pants, I'm dead nerves. Uh-huh. Once Toos figures it out, looks in that rearview mirror. Were you scared? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, subtext there. <laughs> you should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the moment when they both know, each other knows. Oh. Yeah, it's a definite break from the tension for sure. 
because that was building up too, too much. Oh, yeah. And, you know, too, I give a lot of credit to the actress playing Liz here because the tension in that car had to be palpable. And she does a great job just completely ignoring it. Yeah. And it is believable as a teenager engrossed in her phone. Yeah. Yeah. So Liz, get out of the car, honey. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to give him the dad talk here. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, I kind of feel bad for Liz in all of this. She got the really rough deal. Oh, of course. Her and her mother are victims in this. Her even more so because the mother, mother had to have some inkling that something was going on. Not saying she's complicit in any way in it, but the daughter, absolutely a victim. Yeah, not only that, but also a guy that she's been interested in for so long has a talk with her dad. Obviously, she doesn't know the actual shit that went down. And then he just bolts. Yes. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But at the same time, he didn't have a choice and he feels terrible about it. Yeah, he does. And the choice he makes here, man, it, it feels so visceral because Toombs tells him, you saved my daughter. That means a lot to me. Toombs has his own code of honor. And there's something, even, even though it's warped, you kind of have to respect it, you know? Yes. He does love his family. Yeah. I mean, he keeps saying that he's doing the whole thing for his family. Uh, keep saying. Yeah, keep saying. Yes, he believes that. And I do. He absolutely is partly doing it for his family, but it's gone way past that. Yes, it has. And he kind of tries to have this understanding with the kid, you know, by intimidating him. Stay out of my way and I won't kill you. Yeah. Walk away. Show my daughter a nice time. Not too nice of a time. And uh, mm-hmm. bygones be bygones. Yeah. And I said before with the generation gap theme, this is why this movie appeals so much to everyone. Because you have, you know, older parents who can completely relate to Tombs in doing what he feels he needs to be doing for his family, a guy who's gotten screwed by the system. And, you know, for younger more altruistic people, they connect with Peter in every way. Yeah, true. And I think even the younger people can connect with Tombs in a way because he got a really rough deal, you know, at least in the beginning of the movie. A little bit. I think the older you are, the more you can relate to that because you've got more time to get kicked around by life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I guess I just admitted I'm very old. (laughs) So, like you said, Peter goes in and tells Liz, sorry, I got to go. And even without the fancy suit, he finds his old sweatsuit, basically. Yeah. And takes off to find tombs. How incredibly courageous is this? It is, absolutely. And his sense of right and wrong and trying to stop the bad guy doesn't go away just because he doesn't have his fancy suit. Yeah. His moral compass is as strong as Steve Rogers, I think. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why Tony thought that he was such a bright kid with the future. Yes. He always did admire that about Steve, even when they didn't agree, which was often. Yeah. So while Peter is escaping out from the back, from the back door, one of Toombs' fellows is there with that 
weapon and he is blasting away at Peter. And he, Peter was in a really bad position. He lost his web slingers. Mm-hmm. And that's when Ned comes in to save the day. Yeah, he gets his hero moment too. Yes. So he uses that slinger to basically stop that dude's weapon on his hand and gives Peter a chance to leave. Yeah, so he tells Ned what's happening, passes on to Happy Hogan, and then (laughs) steals Flash's car and his phone. Yeah, yeah. There's just one little problem, though. He doesn't quite know how to drive yet. No, no, he does not, because he is 15 years old. (laughs) But he's got backup. He's got his man in the chair. Yes, he does. Finally. Yes. And he left his phone in Toombs's car so that Ned can track yeah. it. Right. So small thinking there. Mm-hmm. Yes. He's very quick on his feet. That's right. Literally and metaphorically. <laughs> and once he sees the tracker, this is when Peter realizes that Toombs is out to steal all the tech being transported upstate to the new Avengers campus. Yeah. And he tries to get in touch with Happy, but Happy is too busy. Worst head of security in the history of security. Can we just say that? (laughs) I agree. I agree. To be fair, this isn't the first time he screwed up. No, no. He's got quite the history. Yep. And we get a hilarious moment with Ned here. Given what he's doing, it is a better option to tell the teacher you're watching porn. (laughs) Yeah. I wonder how much detention he got for that. Worth it to be the man in the chair, even for five minutes. Well, true. Because apparently you can just walk out from detention anyway, so what difference does it make? (laughs) So back at the lair, we get our showdown here with Tombs. Mm-hmm. And I do believe him when he says he admires Peter's grit. There's mutual respect here in some ways. I wouldn't say mutual respect because Peter's too gung-ho to respect Tombs. I think Tombs certainly respects Peter. Here's what I mean. I think if all this wasn't going on, if he wasn't this crazy supervillain, I think Tombs would be delighted to have Peter dating his daughter. Yeah, I agree. That doesn't mean he wouldn't have fun trying to scare the shit out of him. Yeah, that's a father's prerogative. Just a little, you know, gotta have some fun with it. (laughs) And, you know, I think, I think maybe once he was a good man. Yeah, he was. And he still believes he is. He's just lost his way. Yeah. And at the same time, though, he's not wrong about Tony. Tony made his money as an arms dealer. Yes, he changed, but. He was just a legal arms dealer. That's true. And, you know, this is also a commentary on social class, too. You know, because Tony was a billionaire, he's gotten away with everything. He was able to be basically a legal villain in a lot of ways because he was causing a lot of harm. Whereas somebody who's working class essentially doing the same thing is vilified. Now, I'm not saying he's right. But I'm saying there is a point here, you know? Yeah, absolutely. He does have a point. I agree. 
Yeah. If the rich are doing all this bad shit, why can't we? Yeah. Now, despite the fact that he has valid points and that he likes to hear himself talk, he's also stalling for time like any good villain. Yeah. And just when Peter realizes this is a stalling tactic, the new and improved Walcher wings show up. Yes. Yes. Peter has misunderstood the situation. Completely. And this is incredible visuals here. Tomb just Tombs just brings this whole building down on him. Yeah. Crushing Peter under the rubble. Yeah. Thinking, okay, that's the end of that. And aside from the car, I think this is Tom Holland's shining moment in this movie. Yeah, true. There's so much emotion and heart here. The struggle. Yeah, and genuine terror too. Like he is trapped. I felt oh, yeah. that claustrophobia. And I'm not claustrophobic by nature. But you feel mm-hmm. it. Yeah, the, the claustrophobia and that sheer terror of, oh my God, I'm re- I think I'm going to die. Yeah. And he sees his own reflection and finds the last ounces of strength within him. It is so triumphant when he lifts that rock and climbs out of that rubble. Yeah. It is. As we understand in that moment, it's not just about physical strength. He has such a capacity for good inside of him. Nothing is going to kill it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. His conviction of trying to do the right thing is what get him, gets him out of this. Yes. Now we head to the air where the Stark plane is headed upstate. Yeah. and. Fancy plane, you know, with its invisibility tech and all of that. I quite like that. Sure. I was very sad when the plane was destroyed. Of course you were. Oh, you must have a nervous breakdown in Far From Home when all the drones get destroyed. No, that's okay. <laughs> I have a weakness for fancy cars, too. Yes. The James Bond movies are not my friend. <laughs> and finally, we get to see Mason's toy, the high-altitude vacuum seal. Yes. And it works perfectly. Yeah. And Keaton's so good here. He's like a kid on Christmas morning opening up all these boxes. Yeah. And he has complete access, taking his time, enjoying the fruits of his labor, if you will. Yeah. Until, oh, is that, what's that, is that, is that a gremlin on the wing? <laughs> no, it's a spider. Yeah. It's a little bastard in red tights is what it is. Yeah. And this is incredible. Peter just trying to hang on to this plane as Vulture attacks over and over again. Yeah, it's an it's a wonderful fight scene. And you can really feel the tension, especially since Peter doesn't have the ability to fly. Yeah, you're genuinely scared for him in that moment. Yeah, and those propellers, that could be really nasty. So the plane is heading straight for Coney Island. Peter can't let this happen. He's able to maneuver things so that they crash land on the beach. Yeah, and that is fantastically done. The way he pulls the wing to try and maneuver it in the way. I mean, I don't think it's actually physically possible, but it was well done in a believable way. And again here, Peter is nearly down for the count. Vulture could have killed him right here, but instead Mm -hmm. he gives him up in favor of the tech. Yeah, 
his greed got the better of him. Yeah, and it nearly kills him because Peter sees it's about to explode. Yeah, but Walsha has tunnel vision. Yes. Yeah, and this is great here. Peter desperately trying to save this madman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He could have so easily said, you know what? I'm done. Let him go kill himself. Yes. But instead, he is able to save Tombs and then carries him out of the fire on top of it. Yeah. And that's a great image. True. That's a very cap thing to do. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Very noble. Mm-hmm. And there is a deleted scene, Tom Holland has said this, of Vulture saying to Spider-Man, why didn't you kill me? And he says back, because I'm Spider-Man. <laughs> and Keaton just broke character goes, <laughs> yeah, but I'm Batman. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So like a good friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, he gift wraps everything for the cops and for Happy. Yes. And I love this sign because this is the only time we see the name Vulture referenced. He writes Flying Vulture Guy on the paper. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. This entire movie, like I said in the previous episode, they play around with the names a lot. Yeah. And it's I love it because the previous movies were so friggin cheesy. Yeah, but it's a problem for people like me, you know, who are bad with names. Yeah, that's just a you thing. I don't know what to tell you. I had no issues with it whatsoever. Uh, Listeners, if you had a problem with it, please tell me. We can commiserate (laughs) together. And what I love best about this, too, is Peter watching from a distance. He finally understands this is not about accolades. It's not about getting credit. Yeah. Yeah, it's about doing the right thing. And that's all that matters. And back at school, this is so sad. Poor Liz. She's just a mess. Yeah. With her mom there. I can't imagine Mm -hmm. going through this. Yeah, her world is falling apart. Yeah. I I mean, she had a crappy night and then she had an even more crappier day after that. Yeah, she's lost her father. Her and her mother are now pariahs. She's a kid from New York who now has to go live in Oregon. Mm -hmm. No friends. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it it's tough for her. I really feel bad. So they say their goodbyes and then we get the MJ reveal. Yeah, finally. And I will say this because you know this comes up in Far From Home of course. I think here MJ already knows he's Spider-Man. Yeah, I think she knows but she wasn't certain or she at least suspected. Yeah, she was pretty damn sure. She is a very smart and observant girl mm-hmm. and then finally happy sends peter a message <laughs> this is great really again anybody could just walk into a high school now but really the bathroom <laughs> yeah and i love the fact that there's this boy who was in the loo <laughs> then he came out to wash his hands and he looks at these two like like they're the weirdos which they are <laughs> Afro was hilarious just staring at this kid. And having it go on for so long, that gag was fantastic. <laughs> <Yes>. That awkwardness. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> yeah. And it's a good thing that that boy took the time to wash his hands. Good hygiene. He didn't just walk away because it was awkward. Yes. And this is a bit of a different Happy Hogan now. He's uh, a little different attitude from him now that Peter saved his ass. Yeah. Yeah. 
And this was a real turning point in their relationship. Absolutely, yes. And he, did he apologize to him? I think so. So Happy apologizes to Peter and tells him that he should have done better, which 100%, yes, he should have. Mm -hmm. Even though he was passing on the news and the messages to Tony, he should have at least responded back to Peter. Yes, I agree. And Happy's chauffeur days aren't quite over because time to take the kid upstate. Yeah, I think at this point he should be demoted to chauffeur. Chauffeur, I think, might be a little too high. I think he's back down to doormat at this point. (laughs) Hey, badge. (laughs) And we get a mea culpa from Tony here, too. Mm -hmm. And this was necessary. Yeah, absolutely. It's not a full admission, but it's a Tony level apology. Yeah, and for him, I think that's a lot. Oh, yes. And he does mention that he's trying to do better than his dad. Yes. And I think he is doing better than his dad, but the bar was also very, very low. True. Yes. And his intention here is to uh, announce Peter to the world as the newest Avenger. Yeah, and I love that new suit. Yeah. I really wanted to see him put that on, but no. But Peter does the incredibly responsible, very mature thing of turning Tony down. Yeah. And this entire movie, this journey of his was leading to this moment. Because had Tony given this to him before the Staten Island fiasco, Peter would have been over the moon just prancing around telling everybody he's an Avenger. Mm -hmm. But now he understands the weight. He understands the responsibility that comes with it. And he knows he's not ready. Yes, because with great power... Don't! What did I say (laughs) in part one? (laughs) So what he does say to Tony for the moment, somebody's got to look out for... With great power. Somebody's got to look out for the little guy. (laughs) Yes, and that comes with great responsibility. I'm going to beat you. Going to beat you. I'm going to punch you in your arm. That still hurts. Listeners, see, this is the kind of friends I have. Uh-huh. Sure. I have tears in my eyes right now. So in a... I'm so sad. Uh-huh. In a movie that's not like well-written and not well-directed, this moment would have been a disappointment. Instead, with the characterization and story we get, this is another moment of triumph for Peter. Yes, it is. And Tony is left with a bit of a problem. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a test, totally. Yeah, Uh uh-huh, you passed. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and Tony says he actually made a really mature choice. Yeah, Tony, unlike you, countless times. (laughs) but he does give peter back the suit yes he does tony of old would have probably been very petty about it and said nope you don't get the suit back yeah you're right i think so so there is growth in on both sides over here and you know speaking of growth i had pointed out in part one that i really like the casting of liz and how you know 
they're showing it's okay for the girl to be taller than the guy she's with. I think there was a little growth for Mr. Downey Jr. here too, because it appeared that for the first time, Pepper was allowed to be taller than him. Did I see that correctly? Oh, uh, I think that was probably an oversight. <laughs> he wasn't. He wasn't there for very long. He probably just missed it. Yeah. Oh, I forgot, forgot my lips today. Damn it. <laughs> hey, where's my platform? I'm supposed to be standing on a platform. So Tony does have a problem because he does have an entire room full of press waiting for some big announcement and he doesn't have a big announcement. And the best thing that he can come up with is proposing to Pepper. And you can see him having a mild panic attack at that. <laughs> but it works because Happy's been carrying that ring in his pocket for years. Yeah. <laughs> I love so it. Did they actually get engaged? I would assume so because they do end up married. So, yeah. So, I guess in a way, it turned out to be a good thing for both of them, Tony and Pepper. Yes. Tony needed a nudge. More like a shove. Yes. Yes. Off a cliff. With, yeah, with 50 people behind that. <laughs> now it's time to head home. And Peter does just love his new suit so much that he's not paying enough attention. <laughs> yes and may comes in what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> oh just the best ending ever i loved it yeah her yeah. face is priceless. we don't really get to see her reaction just what she says and it's all conveyed through tom holland's face yeah that's all we needed yep that moment was a bigger oh shit than meeting tombs for the first time <laughs> because this has some serious consequences yeah i mean they did such a great job with this we got three moments like that in this movie we got ned finding out we got the tombs twist and we got this yeah so much fun mm -hmm. and what's great is that it's perfectly satisfying. We don't need to have a big drawn out conversation about it. You know, we can just let it be fun. Yeah. And it's all resolved and sorted out by the beginning of the next movie. And that is largely because of the blip. Yes. So we get uh, two credit scenes here. We get a mid credit scene, which I like for two reasons. One, as I think I said in part one, we're keeping Adrian Toomes alive. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he has never given up Peter's identity reinforces his code of honor. Yeah, it does. And it's a good thing because it also leaves an opportunity for him to come back in the future, which I would really like that to happen. Yeah. You know, I could honestly see something like, and by the time you're hearing this, listeners, in November, this could all be completely moot by teasers, trailers, whatever. But I could see him potentially helping Peter in the future, honestly. He does have tremendous respect for him. Yeah, and you know, with the multiverse, you never know. He could be helping our Peter against the other Vulture. Maybe, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, like there could only be one Vulture kind of thing. Who knows? Yeah, anything's possible. Yep. And finally, our post credit scene for Steve. I love these. I wonder how many of these he had to make. Yeah, I don't envy him. So you got detention. So you got a physical fitness test. <laughs> so you're in sex ed. 
I don't know much about that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that is Spider-Man Homecoming, which we are covering because No Way Home is coming out in December. Yep. And just a reminder, we will be covering it after a while. Yeah. Yeah. Once it's out on Disney Plus. Yes. And I am so, so excited for that movie. Yeah, me too. I can't wait to see the insanity that we are guessing is going to happen. Yes. I'm just so desperate to see a 46-year-old hot-bellied, washed-up Spider-Man, please. If Tobey Maguire's in that movie, please let it be that way. Well, we kind of saw that in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Yes. Yep. It was done very well. That's a fantastic movie. Yeah. So thanks to all you madams for joining us today. I'm Madam Chris. And I'm Madam Amy. Join us next week for our discussion of Spider-Man Far From Home. Yes. Which we are covering not just because the sequel is coming out, but because my furry brood and I are currently settling into uh, our new home back on the East Coast. Pray for me, please. <laughs> no one's destroying the new house or peeing everywhere, please. Yeah, she needs a lot of prayers, really. <laughs> I have a very sensitive golden retriever. <laughs> In the meantime, if you want to share your thoughts, especially given the fact that, you know, all those teasers and whatnot are coming out, you guys want to chat about all that? Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Marvel Madams. And check out our website, themarvelousmadams.com, where Infinity Stones are a girl's best friend. Chuck, 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 chuck. Stop making me laugh, you jackass. <laughs> I just got this computer. <laughs> Are you happy? Are you happy? <laughs> God, is this what I am to you? A sideshow <laughs> for your amusement. Amusement, sure, but you're far from a sideshow. You're more like Shrek for me. What does that make you? Donkey? <laughs> you want to be donkey? That's fine with me. I mean, he's 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 his sidekick, right? So I guess. I mean, Donkey does. Do, do you find the dragon attractive? <laughs> no, I'd probably run away, you know, scared shitless, and that kind of works for my love life anyway. So maybe. You know, that's one of those things that I never thought about as a kid with Shrek the whole logistics of a dragon and a donkey having children. Yeah, I mean, before that, they probably need to have sex, and I don't know how that would work anyways. Yeah, I don't really want to think about it. Mm. Never. <laughs>